You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I'm glad that you are back with us today for Road Talk and Navigating Your Journey. My name is Jacob Hawk, the host of this podcast, and today we are going to bring to a close a series that we have been in this summer, but I tell you truths from Jesus as we have been taking our time looking at Jesus's wonderful Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has talked about so many different issues in life that really resonate with our hearts today. Things like relationships and the way we should view money, spiritual disciplines, how we forgive, the way we should pray for our enemies. And all of these matters of life are things that are still so incredibly challenging for followers of Jesus in a 21st century world. And as we finish this series today, we're going to talk about one more item in Jesus' wonderful sermon that we still struggle with, and if I were to guess, we will struggle with it for the rest of our lives. And that issue is worry. Now remember, the purpose for Jesus' sermon was the fact that the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they had been twisting the law of Moses, distorting it with their own tradition, rather than wringing out its truth. And so in Matthew chapters 5-7, through Jesus told his audience over and over again, You've heard it said long ago, but I tell you, I tell you what you really need to hear. I tell you what is near and dear to the heart of God. And Jesus does the same thing with this topic of worry. Worry is a vast ocean full of discussion. And to be honest, people often approach it the wrong way. (laughs) I read on a church sign one time, A church was portraying this message to the community. They said, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. They didn't really think that one through, did they? Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. You know, worry is something that just stays around. And we see it from every angle in life. And when Jesus tells us, do not worry... He's telling us to do something that just isn't natural. It's like telling people in the city of Houston not to sweat during the month of July. I mean, it's going to happen. 
And Jesus knows that we're going to have worry in our life. But that doesn't make it right. And even though it is hard, it's also possible. And in my opinion, when we look at Jesus' sermon, I think Jesus tackles worry with a three-step process. The first thing that he does is he mentions, well, a few things we shouldn't worry about. And you remember what he says. Jesus says, first of all, don't worry about what you're going to eat or about what you're going to drink. Now, I don't know about you, but (laughs) one of the first things that I do every morning is think about what I'm going to eat for breakfast or what I'm going to eat for lunch or which restaurant I would like to go to, which I haven't been to in a while. I'm what you like to call a foodie. You know, for me, food is more than nutrition. Food can sometimes be a sport. But when Jesus talks about not worrying about food, obviously he has something much more serious in mind than which restaurant will I dine at this week or on this day. For people in the first century, much like for people around the world, even still today, the question was not, what will I eat? The question was, am I going to eat? Will there be food on my table? Will there be a way for me to fill the stomachs of my children? And Jesus says, even though that's scary, don't let that control your mind. Don't let that control your life, because God will take care of you. And Jesus in that same segment of Scripture, goes on to say, not only should you not worry about what you're going to eat or drink, but don't worry about what you're going to wear. Do you think our society today worries about clothing? Well, yeah. If they didn't, there wouldn't be fashion magazines on every counter in every store. There wouldn't be the red carpet on TV. There wouldn't be the best dressed awards. The clothing industry is one of the most profitable industries in the world. Why? Well, simply because people obsess about their appearance. And again, Jesus shakes his head and he wonders why. And then Jesus mentions that third layer of things we shouldn't worry about when he says, don't don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about life which you have yet to experience. But we do, don't we? We worry about it all the time. Now, there is a difference between worry and planning, being aware, wanting to be prepared, But our minds are still so often focused on those things which haven't happened rather than those things which have. Rather than living in the moment, we want to live in the morrow. But then Jesus goes to that next step. After he tells us what we shouldn't worry about, then then he tells us why we shouldn't be anxious. On what we eat or drink, Jesus says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Now listen carefully to what Jesus says. Jesus does not say that the birds don't work. He just says they they don't worry. They do work. They labor. They spin. But they know that eventually something will take care of them. Someone will take care of them. The birds often have a greater faith than the human beings. Of all the creations that God created, humans are the only ones who worry about their security. The birds, they're at peace. The plants, they don't fret. But humans, not us. Now we wonder if God knows when we're in a tight spot. And Jesus says, the God who gave you life will provide a way for you to sustain life. So don't worry. And with our clothing, Jesus says in verses 28 through 29, Oh, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, his mentioning of the flowers and the grass of the field was purely genius. In the first century, ovens weren't very powerful. When they needed to be heated a little bit more, they would grab flowers and grass to raise the temperature. And Jesus is saying these flowers, the grass, the fields, they know that their life is short-lived. And yet they still don't worry. But you, on the other hand, you are God's most prized possession, and you do worry. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. He even mentions Solomon, the wealthiest man to ever live. Solomon was a legend. He was known for building the temple, living in the palace, wearing the regal robes. And I can just see Jesus bending down during this sermon to pick up a flower and say, This little thing used for fuel is better off than Solomon in all of his splendor. Because this little thing, this little stem, this little petal, this little dandelion, this little thing trusts God. Many times when Solomon didn't, your life is more than a clothes hanger. And then on tomorrow, Jesus says, tomorrow hasn't even happened yet. Do not worry about tomorrow. Verse 34, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And according to Jesus, that's exactly what the pagans were doing. The pagans would pray to their gods, gods like Jupiter, praying that tomorrow would just overflow with material wealth and riches. But Jesus says, here's how you should pray. Pray to your Father in heaven and just pray for your daily bread. Don't pray for famine. Don't pray for fortune. Just pray for enough to get you by. It was the great philosopher Will Rogers 
who once said that worry is like pain on a debt that may never come due. Worry is like pain on a debt that may never come due. I wouldn't equate Will Rogers with Jesus, but that practical Will Rogers was right. Worrying about tomorrow invites all kinds of unneeded stress into our lives, things which may or may not even happen, and according to many psychologists and sociologists, things which probably won't happen. In fact, it's estimated that at least 85% of the things we worry about never even take place. And you know that Jesus understood that as well. And so finally, Jesus gives the alternative as he closes the little portion of his sermon about worry. When Jesus says, here's, here's what you need to do. Here's where you need to place your energy. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And all of these other things will be added unto you as well. When Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God, what, what is his kingdom? If we're going to seek after it, we probably need to know what it is. Well, the kingdom of God is more than just God's home beyond the azure blue that we sing about in that great hymn. The kingdom of God is here and now. Jesus told his disciples to preach that the kingdom of God was at hand, and they did. And Jesus even prayed in his Lord's Prayer that God's will in heaven would be done here on earth. The Lord's church... The bride of Christ is God's kingdom. And we live in it and we thrive in it every single day. And so when Jesus says, first of all, to seek first his kingdom, Jesus is saying that we need to place the church at the very top of our priority list in life. But if you notice, Jesus doesn't just say to seek first his kingdom, but what comes with his kingdom, and that is his righteousness. Righteousness can be defined in different ways. Sometimes it just deals with the things that are in the will of God, doing things God's way. But also in the New Testament, the words righteousness and justice are used interchangeably. Now think about that. Replace the word righteousness with the word justice. What types of things does God want seen brought to justice? Well, we know that he wants the poor to be fed. He wants the parentless to be loved and protected. He wants those who can't fight for themselves to be defended. He wants light to shine into the darkness so the darkness will be exposed. He wants believers to improve the lives of unbelievers. God wants us to seek first the things of this world just as much as the things of the church in the sense of improving the things of this world. We can't love the church, but then turn our eyes and ears away from the problems of this world. It's not an and or, but it's a both. We can't love the church and do nothing for the community, and we can't love the community and then do nothing for the church. When Jesus says in Matthew 5 that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled, these are the types of things he's talking about. 
How many churchgoers seek first the body but ignore their neighbor? How many citizens help their neighbor but neglect the church? Jesus says, these are the things that you must seek first in this life. When it comes to the local church, your corner of God's kingdom, make it a top priority. Consider how much you're giving back to God. Walk through the doors every time they're opened, but make sure that fellowshipping with the bride of Christ is just part of who you are. And in those efforts, don't ignore the problems right outside your door. Seek first His righteousness and His justice as well. And Jesus promises, if you do this, all the things in life that you worry about, well, they will be added to your life. Jesus, are you saying that if we seek you first, we don't have to worry about the food, we don't have to worry about the clothing, we don't have to worry about tomorrow? All of that's going to be taken care of? Well, maybe. But I think Jesus, more than that, is telling us if you truly seek these things first, you don't have the time to worry. It's just not available on your calendar. It does beg the question, what happens if someone doesn't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Will, will they be taken care of in life? I think they will. Many wealthy people who never worry about food or clothing or shelter, they seek first the wrong things, but they have all the things that they need. But this we do know, they're never at peace. If we don't seek first the right things, there is one guarantee. Our lives will always be consumed by worry. So what was Jesus really saying when he said, don't worry? <laughs> I think it worries us sometimes that we don't understand Jesus' definition of worry. And I guess that's par for the course. But as we finish this episode today, let me clarify very quickly what he wasn't saying. Jesus was not saying that we can't be concerned about matters of life. Because there were times in Jesus' ministry, we read about it in the New Testament, that he was very concerned. Jesus was concerned about the lack of faith in people. Jesus was certainly concerned in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the cross when he prayed sweat droplets of blood. The Greek word for worry is a word which means to be divided in the sense that our minds are pulled in several different directions. Growing up, did your teachers ever tell you, I want your undivided attention? Well, God wants that too. And any time that matters of this world divide our attention from God, Jesus says, you've crossed the line. It's no longer concern, but now it's worry. Too much worry is too little faith. And with too much worry, sin creeps at your door. You see, Jesus reminds us, if you live divided, you live with worry. And you'll never experience the life that God desires for you. The Father knows what you need. And you can't add a single hour to your life by worrying. But friends, you can certainly take hours away.
a local barber on the square of his town, had been in business for decades, but his little business was facing some serious financial struggles. A new franchise had opened across the street, stealing most of his business because they had one main marketing tool. They hung a huge banner out front, and it said, All haircuts, $5. Well, the old man who had been in business for years knew that he could not compete with their prices. He couldn't charge just $5 for a haircut and make a living. But he was losing business, and so he was worried that he was going to have to close his doors. So with a little bit of money that he had in savings, he hired a marketing consultant to come and save his business. And the consultant watched both stores for a week, and then he came back to report to the old man with his results. And he walked through the door, the the barber rushed over to his side with worry on his face, and he said, am I going to have to close my doors? And the consultant said, no, not at all. Old man said, really? consultant said, no. Old man said, well, what do I need to do? The consultant said, well, you need to hang a banner outside of your door, and even bigger banner than the other guy's banner and your banner simply needs to say we fix five dollar haircuts you know worry makes us lose focus and that's why it's so dangerous when we worry we turn molehills into mountains we turn rain showers into hurricanes And most of the time we do that on the things of life which have zero value. And Jesus, the ultimate consultant, says, I have a banner to hang over your life. And the banner has one simple statement. Do not worry about tomorrow. But seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything else will fall into place. Do you believe that? I hope you do because these are the truths from Jesus. Thank you for joining us this summer as we have walked through the Sermon on the Mount. And as always, I encourage you to keep your eyes on heaven. And I look forward to talking with you next time.